Hi, I'm Dr. Hillary McBride. Normally, therapy sessions are totally confidential, but in other people's problems, I open the doors to let you hear sessions with my long-standing clients. This is what people sound like when they talk with someone they trust about healing addiction, parenting stress, racist ideologies in the family, and other topics that feel so timely as we come through this difficult time. Other People's Problems, available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So what are you doing when you walk out of this crazy place? You know what? What? I'm going to get really good on the electric bass, which I've been playing for 17 years, and really good at speaking Italian, which I've been doing badly for the same length of time. That is fantastic. And traveling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hanging out. And how old is the kid? She's like... The kid's 27. Three, I think. Two, okay. One. I'm Chris Howden. Thanks for coming out today to celebrate Tapestry in what will be the final episode of the show. We're at the CBC in Toronto in front of a live audience here in Studio 211. We have a great show coming up. A few weeks ago, Mary asked you to phone in, and did you ever? So many calls. You'll hear from listeners from across the country who will share what the show has meant to them. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce my co-host for this special edition of the show, the host of Tapestry for the past 20 years, Mary Hines. Thanks, Chris Howden. I love having a co-host. I think we should have been doing it this way all the way along. A night of epiphanies. (laughs) Fitting for Tapestry. (laughs) Uh, Here's what's going to happen over the next hour. We're going to hear from some of Tapestry's favorite guests from the past 20 years. We'll have special greetings from some of our CBC colleagues across the country. And we'll hear from Tapestry listeners who've been writing and calling in to tell us just what the show has meant to them. And spoiler alert, it has meant a lot to them. Well, those listeners have meant a lot to us. Here's one of them now. And this was a delightful surprise. It turns out the wonderful children's book author and storyteller, Sherry Fitch, has been out there listening all along. And Sherry wants to send Tapestry off with a piece she's written. Sherry was at a library in Whitehorse introducing a lullaby she'd written for people she loves. And a little kid in the audience called out, then it's not a lullaby, it's a lullaby. I've been listening to Tapestry for a long, long time. I felt like I had a friend. And the best radio can do that. And so this is my lullaby to you, Mary Hines, and Tapestry and your wonderful team. It's called If I Were the Moon. If I were the moon, I'd shine down my light right into your bedroom to warm up the night. If I were the ocean, I'd sail you away, then bring you back home at the end of the day. If I were a tree, I'd let you climb high. You could talk to the squirrels and tickle the sky. If I were a flower, I'd go just for you. I'd dance in the wind when you wanted me to. If I were a snowflake, I'd tickle your face, then blow away laughing in wide open space. And if I were a rainbow, I'd let you ride down my kaleidoscope slide all the way to the ground. If I were a mountain, you could reach for the sky, then sing to the angels while clouds drifted by. And if I were a song, I'd hum you to sleep. I'd give you a dream all your own just to keep. But 
I am who I am, Deaton Better. And we'll all be together today and forever. Oh, my. Thank you, Sherry Fitch. I've learned a new word today, and I love it. Thank you, Sherry Fitch, for the love abide. Sherry Fitch is a beloved children's book author in Nova Scotia. Mary, you've read so many books and talked to a lot of authors over the years, but it turns out Tapestry has also inspired a couple of books as well. Hi, Mary. Congratulations on your upcoming retirement, and thank you for bringing Tapestry into our homes and hearts for so many years. My name is Kara, and I'm a children's book author from Prince Edward Island, and my debut children's book, The Sea That Sings to Me, it came out just a couple of months ago. And I was recently interviewed on CBC Main Street here in PEI about the inspirations behind the story. And I understand, Kara, a CBC radio show might have provided some inspiration for this as well? Yes, it did, Matt. Um, So it was shortly after I had moved home, a very dear friend of mine sent me a CBC Tapestry interview from about 20 years ago with the late Irish poet John O'Donoghue. I don't know if you know know his work. It's magnificent. And I'm a big fan of Tapestry as well as John O'Donoghue's work. And in this interview, he recounts a story of a farmer from the west of Ireland who has this ability or this gift to hear music in nature, in the landscape and in the seascape. And they explore these really old and beautiful Celtic themes in this interview. And so in that moment, it really captured my imagination and my heart. And and so that was part as well of the inspiration uh, behind the story. And it feels like this sort of magic combination of things came together to help me bring it into the world. Thank you again. And I wish you well on your next adventure. Well... Things come to pass. As a longtime tapestry listener, that's my reconciled response to the intrusive news that Mary Hines is retiring and tapestry is ending after a glorious 29-year run. The episode featuring science writer John Horgan and his book, Rational Mysticism, as well as the Randall Sullivan episode about his book, The Miracle Detective, prompted me to purchase those books. Not only that, those books contributed to my own book, which finally saw the light of published day earlier this year, after decades of work. So, Tapestry helped me write my book. That's how much you connected to me. Kara Griffin and Patrick Wolf, two listeners who were inspired to write their own books after listening to Tapestry. Okay, tell me about The Miracle Detective. Okay, Randall Sullivan, I will never forget this guy. He was a journalist for Rolling Stone magazine. He goes to Medjugorje in the former Yugoslavia to investigate reported apparitions of the Virgin Mary. And he ends up having a mystical experience himself. And because he was a cool guy from Rolling Stone magazine, he... he, was sort of appalled at his own transformation from skeptic to sort of believer. Okay. Well, I'm curious what turns a cool guy into (laughs) a believer. What was the mystical experience? Not that belief is not cool, by the way. This this was his framing of it. A few things happened. None of them are really easy to explain. Randall Sullivan encounters a young woman on the mountain in Medjugorje. She was there and then gone. And then years later, he sees a photograph that gives him chills. There was a photograph of Bernadette Subaru, Bernadette of Lourdes. And I had this just instant sense that that young woman I'd met on the mountain, that that was the young woman I'd met on the mountainside. I mean, in my mind, that was exactly who it had been. 
So was it an apparition? Does he think he saw St. Bernadette? So this was a very rational guy. I won't say cynic, but I will say skeptic. And uh, he told Tapestry he was forced to rethink everything he thought he knew. Can you imagine going into Rolling Stone magazine and, and trying to tell this story? I mean, you can't because you haven't worked in that environment, but believe me, it would be, it would be a memorable scene. And, and, and uh, so, I mean, it, I think it was knowing that my credibility would, would be probably permanently forfeit if, if I uh, ever let this out, that I even you know, thought that for a second. But in the end, I, I put it in the book because... I felt I had to. I mean, I felt I felt to, that to, that I owed it to whoever and whatever had had taken me on this journey and and had made me better than I was when I started it. And it, it was Randall Sullivan who also gave us one of the all-time great tapestry quotes: "This is my soul. It's even bigger than my career." <laughs> Okay, so he presumably is the only miracle detective, but have other guests described, you know, mystical experiences? Some of this stuff is hard to put into words for guests. Mm -hmm. and for me, I have given up trying to find the words, but guests will often take that plunge, even though some of this seems to defy language. Um, Patty Krawick is an Anishinaabe writer. She wrote a wonderful book not so long ago called Becoming Kin. And Patty told me about something that happened. You could say mystical. Um, this was by a lake near Sioux Lookout in northwestern Ontario. I often joke that I'm, you know, the least spiritual native person you'll ever meet because I, I don't really go in for all of that kind of woo stuff. <laughs> so it's not like I was like predisposed to have this mystical experience. So my dad and I had stayed, we had stayed at these cabins that are just outside Sioux Lookout. And so I spent a lot of time kind of going down to the water and looking across and, you know, and, and it, it felt familiar, you know, probably because as a toddler, you know, things imprint on you. I remember still kind of leaning down and putting my hands in the water and it just felt like it was like a physical reaction that I hadn't anticipated. And I don't know, a psychologist could probably give you all kinds of other reasons for that. But for me, I felt remembered like I wasn't the only one who was remembering and I felt profoundly connected to that place in a way that I had not felt connected to any place else. Patty Krawak, I always marveled at guests who could speak so openly and so honestly about things they couldn't quite yeah. explain and Patty Krawak was one of them. Hello I'm Sheila Rogers broadcast journalist, and I will confess to being a friend of Mary Hines. I am sad to see Tapestry go. Tapestry always felt like Sundays to me. I always seemed to be either driving or walking, and somehow the program always had the perfect tone. And as I've said to Mary, the program always gave me something I needed at the time. It was like the program was psychic. I'll end with a, a memory about Malcolm Doney, who was on fairly recently, the writer, artist, and priest, who ended his interview speaking with Mary, saying it was a privilege. And it was like two old friends were speaking. Mary always has this great ability to make you feel like you're the only person in the universe. And I always felt the world 
was better sorted out after I listened to Tapestry. And when Malcolm said it was a privilege, I realized it was a privilege for me too to be listening. Oh, the extraordinary Sheila Rogers. Thank you. And Sheila, what an honor to have shared the airwaves with you over the years. Um, personal note, I sent Sheila a note a short while ago to ask her about retirement and did she have any guidance? And she had guidance. She said, do it, it's the best. I'd like to announce my retirement. <laughs> um, we both know that CBC listeners are very special people mm. and they've had a profound relationship with Tapestry over the years. I think that's what's so moving about all the phone messages we've been we've been getting listeners talking about what tapestry has meant to them. Um, and especially over the last few years, one of our CBC colleagues sent me um, a beautiful email saying she thought listeners had found the show to be a kind of refuge over mm -hmm. the past couple of difficult years. And that's a remarkable thing to hear. Oh, hi, Mary and all the crew. My name is John and I'm calling from Calgary. Tapestry has meant much to me over the years, and particularly lately, it has meant a lot because I've been going through health challenges and I've also lost a lot of close friends over the last year and uh, wondered why I'm still lucky enough to be on this planet. There are so many things that can come now to comfort and help people who just want to try and make sense out of the messy business of living. But uh, comments from your last guest about being able to let go and to know that there are other things coming which are meant to be as well. Although maybe not comforting is at least slightly exciting and gives a 69-year-old geezer some, some hope for the future. So anyway, thank you very much for this show. I've really enjoyed it. And you take care. Bye-bye. I, I actually had to like collect myself so I could like stop crying so I could call it. This show has been so impactful. It's been a tangible friend. It has helped me understand so much about myself and others. And it's it's just gotten me through so many, so many other times when there just would have been stillness or darkness. For people like me who don't have a church and don't have a community, and they don't really have families. And so Tapestry really was very warm, place just for me. Thanks to you, Trisha and John, and everyone who's been calling in with Tapestry Memories. We'll hear more of your calls throughout the episode. You know, Chris, we've always had a couple of, um, we've called them the prime directives on Tapestry over the years. And one is always try to keep in the laughs when our stellar team of producers is editing an interview. Um, because the subject matter can get a little right. heavy at times, and we like the laughs to leaven things along the way. The other prime directive is, is uh, we've framed it as, let's make sure my real person is talking to your real person, whether that's the guest or the listener during any interview. Um, and we've tried to make that happen all the way along. And there have been guests who've made that really easy. Um, you're going to hear Nadia Boltz Weber. She is the founding pastor of a church they called the House for All Sinners and Saints in Denver, Colorado. There's nothing about me when people meet me that says Lutheran pastor. And so it's really hard to be a pastor when you're not that good of a Christian. 
Nadia Boltz-Weber, a Lutheran pastor who's been on Tapestry more than once, she first heard the call at a comedy club where she was presiding over a good friend's funeral. I looked out into the sea of faces. It was at this downtown comedy club. And I look out into these people, and they're all academics and comics and recovering alcoholics and queers and artists. And I just thought, I feel like maybe these people might need a pastor. And maybe I'm that person. Like, I felt called to be a pastor to my people, not to be a pastor to really super nice suburban folks who already go to church. Nadia Boltzweber on Tapestry. Pastor Nadia's books include Accidental Saints, Finding God in All the Wrong People. And that interview from November 2013 was awarded gold at the New York Festival's Radio Awards. Hi, Mary. My name is Dana Menard. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist turned professor of clinical psychology, and I've been listening to Tapestry for over 10 years. Um, I can honestly say that listening to Tapestry made me a better therapist. It was such a diversity of human experience represented that I really felt like it helped me understand the human condition better. Since 2020, I've been a professor of clinical psychology at the University of Windsor. And just this past summer, I was listening to the episode that you did about drag and how that related to the, um, the, the person understanding their own gender better. And I went back to my lab group and I said, hey, what if we did a study about drag and how it relates to gender identity and resilience? And so we actually completed about a dozen interviews this past summer, and now we're in the middle of analyzing the results. Um, so I can say that tapestry affected me enormously professionally, uh, and it continues to do so, and I'm going to miss it terribly. Well, thank you, Dana, and thanks again to everyone for calling in. Now, we shouldn't forget, this might be the big finale. It is, right? It is. Okay. It is. <laughs> okay. But it's still an episode of Tapestry, so there should probably be an interview. Sure. And here is Mary Hines with a special musical guest. And the sublime Molly Johnson is my guest. Hello to you. Hello. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you for squeezing us into your wild December schedule. I'm so happy to be here with you. Tell me about the new album. Was there a central theme? Was there like a, a big idea on your mind as you were putting well, it all together? there was a big idea in that my record label phoned me and asked me why I'd never made a Christmas record. And I retorted that they're often really bad. <laughs> and he agreed. <laughs> and we went from there. I thought about it for a whole year, about Canada, about multi-faith, about not everybody's singing about baby Jesus. I needed to write for Canada. I needed to think about that. So that was a year of thinking and talking with my bandmates who we then went on to write some pretty great songs. So it sounds as though, I mean, you were doing what we try to do on this show, perhaps, trying to find that sweet spot between, you know, you're touching on something spiritual or meaningful without always sounding like you're in preaching, church. Right. Preaching. Was that a was that a fine line I, to navigate? I, I for navigate you? the don't preach for the last 40 years of writing songs. Mm. Like, I really think about that. Can we have a conversation, a one-sided conversation maybe? But I have to say that with this record, really thinking about where do all the faiths connect, intersect? Where do we all come together as a nation? And that's at this time of year, we all celebrate light. 
We all celebrate family and food and trying to pull in people who may be slightly disengaged, just bringing people into the tent. Um, Light's a powerful one, light. right? What does that mean to you? Oh, I love candles. Like, I'm a big reader. And even, I don't have a fireplace, but sometimes I, I love to light candles and read by candlelight. So there's something warm and inviting about light. Um, how do you... No, I'm not, I'm not going to go with that. Um, you mentioned you, you listen. You listen to Tapestry. Has, has it been keeping you company for a while? 100% the CBC. I mean, it's a national pastime to turn the radio on first thing in the morning and start yelling at the CBC <laughs> as you crunch up the Globe and Mail and throw it against the <laughs> kitchen wall. I mean, this is, this is Canada at its finest. <laughs> yes, and I do listen to you, and I love... You know, your, your, your themes are always rooted in a sort of faith... Um, but the way in which you warmly bring it to us and the interesting people that you have on your show talking about faith and, and where it all intersects, it's just really interesting. So if this is too personal, you'll tell me to back off. Where do you land when it comes to belief, the idea of a divinity, a creator? Is there something? Is there nothing? As a Toronto girl, born and bred, clearly I'm an Anglican. I mean, honestly... <laughs> I'm an Anglican. Uh, I was um, baptized, married, and my first son was baptized all by the same guy. Oh, wow. At St. Thomas's on Huron Street in downtown Toronto. I passed it today yes, on my walk my into work. My parents loved that church. My mom taught Sunday school there. My dad was the deacon, handed out the... They were Americans, and my father was born a Catholic. And when he came to Toronto and while well, Rochdale, he was a professor and he stumbled upon St. Thomas's and they just fell in love with the church. Mm. And I sent my boys to an Anglican choir school. I did. Um, and they loved it and sing in Latin. And But I'm not, a, say, a regular churchgoer. And I don't really believe in a white guy with blonde flowing locks standing on a cloud. It's not really my thing. I think about Mother Nature. And mm -hmm. I think about, I now live in the woods. I now live in the countryside. And I'm so close to a living, breathing river and just had trees pruned and felt the wind and felt them sigh with relief. And when we speak with our Indigenous folks, when we listen to our First Nations people, they have been preaching this for millions of years, really. And to me, Mother Nature is kind of my god. Whose music do you think of as being in touch with something beyond? Maybe, you know, maybe something bigger than we are. Is there an artist whose music feels divinely inspired to you somehow? Well, of course I want to say Beyonce. Yeah. Because that's a young woman, not so young, but a woman who really owns her career. And she you can hear the ownership and the responsibility of ownership and the duty to who she's talking to. She's such a responsible artist in that regard. And so can I say Beyonce? Can I say Healy Williams, the, the Anglican canon, mm. incredible music? I mean, I love still to go to church because of the music. And I love to sit there and listen to a great choir. And it's so cool for me to be sung to. 
And I don't sing a note in church. I just sit and let it wash over me. And I, I just love it. So what are you doing New Year's Eve? Do you know yet? Hopefully cuddled up in my flannel pajamas with hot chocolate <laughs> and a delicious book. This is my dream. My dream. This is my dream evening. Right? Molly Johnson, thank you. Thank you for all the years of glorious music. And thank you for being here to send tapestry off in style. Can I just say right back at you, darling? Mm. And what a gift you've been to all of us. And this will be missed. This will be a missed show. We love you. I'm Chris Howden with Mary Hines. This is the finale edition of Tapestry on CBC Radio 1, live in front of a studio audience. <laughs> on podcast on Sirius XM Satellite Radio on the CBC Listen app. And online at cbc.ca slash tapestry. You'll recognize the voice of our next special guest because when he's not talking about sports with Mary, he's hosting his own CBC radio show. Here's the physician and host of White Coat Black Art, Dr. Brian Goldman. I could get very verklempt uh, at this moment. I love tapestry. I love you guys. And Mary, I love you especially. Your warmth, your charm, your empathy and kindness as a host your curiosity about the kinds of things that I'm curious about affected me as, as a person, as a human being, as an interviewer, as a fellow interviewer. But, you know, I also had the pleasure of being a guest on your show and felt it. But I do want to talk about the time that, that you spoke to me um, about the pandemic. I got to say that I love the Leafs. I got to talk about my love for Star Trek. I got to talk about that time when I was an old fart starting to work in the emergency department in the beginning of COVID and what it was like for a colleague to offer to do my intubations for me so that I wouldn't get COVID and die and, and you know, to be vulnerable at that moment. So I, was, I could be vulnerable with you as I was vulnerable with my colleague at the time. You know, my experience will be different from a lot of other hosts' experience because maybe they weren't interviewed, but I had the pleasure. I had the full Mary Hines treatment. Brian Goldman, to you I say, damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a radio host. But you are both. How is that even a thing? Thanks so much, B. I know one of the tricky things about doing tapestry, you just talked about it with Molly Johnson, was always trying to find the right tone. Mm. Some guests and listeners would call themselves spiritual. Others were more traditionally religious. Some were agnostic. Others were atheists. And I know it could be a challenge producing stories for everyone. But sometimes you and the team cut right to the chase and asked, okay, say there is a heaven. What's that going to be like? And who better to ask than the guy who created the TV show The Good Place and co-created Parks and Rec, Michael Schur. I loved him. Michael Schur has given a lot of thought to the meaning of life. And uh, he told us that approaching all of it with a bit of optimism is always a better bet than despair, no matter how bleak things might look. The simple way to explain the premise of Parks and Rec was optimism beats pessimism. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you listen to me talk over the course of a given day when certain <laughs> world geopolitical events are unfolding, uh, you would 
well, you would just write me off as a phony is what you would do because uh, <laughs> I am as prone as anybody, in fact, perhaps more so, to bouts of, of unremitting pessimism. But I think that the point of that quote and the point of that belief, which I do hold, is like what to what end pessimism, right? You mm. you espouse it for a while and you wallow in it and you are miserable and every bad thing that happens or every unpleasant action happens is confirmation that you are you were justified in your pessimism. And then at a certain point it's like, okay, congratulations, you were right. What is where are we what does that get us? And if your attitude the whole time is this is all stupid, nothing matters, then when you die, what do you look back on? What do you say is was the point of all this, right? If as opposed to trying to do something better than you did yesterday, trying to like improve whatever it is in a small way, regardless of what the actual system is of the afterlife, regardless of whether there is salvation to be found in another realm or whether we're just worm food when we die, I feel like you are the sum total of what you do. And at the end of the day, regardless of what happens next, if it's anything or nothing, I just want to be able to feel like I tried my best. Michael Schuer, creator of The Good Place, telling Tapestry why pessimism stinks. <laughs> it's just been there in my life, like every Sunday. I mean, I, I would often listen to it as I drove home from church. My name's Daniel Brereton. I'm an Anglican priest, and I was on the show five years ago because I posted a, a silly photo of myself twirling around in robes and Mary wanted to talk to me about being seen and, and what that meant. And my segment was only supposed to be a very short segment. And then we just kept talking and it sort of became the main segment of the show. I could talk about the work that I do and feel really listened to. Um, as well as having a great sense of humor, Mary is an incredible listener. And I, I just realized that Mary's been um, not that I would call her a pastor, but but it, it, the work that I do is very much, I see Mary doing similar work for so many people in that she creates a safe place to ask important questions about really big things, but she does so in a way that's respectful, but lighthearted and welcoming. And yeah, I just kind of will always wish I could have gone to Mary's church, actually. So... <laughs> <laughs> I hope that as Mary has been a blessing and all of you have been a blessing to so many people that, that all of you will be blessed as well. Reverend Daniel, thank you. And you were glorious twirling around in those clerical robes. It sounds like there's always been laughter in the tapestry studio all through the years. That's another recurring theme. It gets back to that prime directive of ours, Chris, always leave in the laughs. And we were always so aware that if you understand your beat to be something like, what does it mean to be human? Things can get really heavy really quickly. So we always wanted to keep in all the laughs because the joy is also a part of what it means to be human. Um, but I have to tell you, this team is hilarious. So yeah. that, that was not uh, <laughs> as uphill a battle as you might have thought. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Chris Marsh, and I'm calling from La Paw, Manitoba. And uh, on one of my many trips uh, to and from Winnipeg, I tuned in to a wonderful interview that you had with Rabbi Jonathan Sachs and his outlook on life and the ever-growing need for community was so refreshing. Mary Hines, tapestry has been a real joy over the years. 
on Sunday afternoon. This was the one space to go for a sense of dealing with the spiritual and very down-to-earth ways. You have been an amazing host. You set a wonderfully calm and curious tone to tapestry. I wish you all the best. And if I can uh, add a little musical note, I can see clearly now the rain has gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. Going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Thanks to you, Donna. That actually, weirdly enough, will not be the last time you're serenaded before this episode is done. (laughs) Okay, in the tapestry secrets department, Mm -hmm. I heard this from your team and also uh, around the building. Is it true that you once had such an electric connection with a, a particular guest that someone listening told the two of you to get a room? Okay, in my defense, that's only happened once. Okay. But, but yeah, it did happen, and it happened with Reva Lehrer, an artist in Chicago. And the first time Reva was on Tapestry, a friend of hers was listening and heard just this connection between us and said, oh, why don't you two just go get a room? Reva describes herself as unusual looking. Uh, she has spina bifida. She says her orthopedic Her big orthopedic boots are so visible when she's taking her walks around Chicago that they now have their own fan club in town. Um, And if we're talking about the goal of my real person talking to your real person, this was it. You've said that growing up, the pretty much the only images of people with disabilities around were either depicting you as monsters or Mm -hmm. holding you up as heroes, you know, this kind of shining example of the human spirit. Which one is worse? Is it worse to be a monster or is it worse to be, oh, you're such an inspiration? I personally like monsters better, but, you know, that's uh, that's got to be a decision for each person. So I do a run every morning. I call it a run. It's kind of a very fast limp along the um, lakefront. And I get two ongoing reactions. I get the people who ask me, what's wrong with you? And then I get a lot of things that actually drive me more up a wall, which is people coming up and saying, you're so brave to be doing this. You're, you're so insp- I see you out here every morning, and you just inspire me to try harder. And I think, oh, thank you. Uh, I'm just doing my run, you know? Like, I'm just doing my run. I'm not saving drowning puppies, you know? I'm not taking people out of a burning building. I'm having a life. I'm not doing it to inspire anybody. And if somebody came up to you and said oh, I'm so inspired that I see you out here and it's so difficult for you. I know it's so difficult. And yet here you are in your spandex. <laughs> I, like, how would you feel? You know? It's, it, is it like, just let me do the damn run? Yeah, just let me be a person. Reva Lehrer. Uh, emphatically not an inspiration or a hero. <laughs> but yeah, probably a crush. 
you know, you're about to retire. You can go to Chicago whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can, and I may. Now, you are in a moment of transition, mm. Mary, after 45 years working in journalism. Yes, sir. And you spoke to someone who thinks about life's turning points a lot. So I'm Casey Tigret, an author and a spiritual director. In March um, 2023, I was able to have this conversation with Mary. And I think what stood out to me most is as a person who writes things and puts them out into the world and then is asked to talk about them, you come into a conversation like an interview and you have some things that you you feel like you're going to say because they're the the stock things. And what I loved most about Mary was she asked questions that I hadn't been asked. She actually made me think some things that I I hadn't thought before about the content of the the book on restlessness. And Mary's questions were so insightful. That was so powerful for me because it's easy to forget how powerful words are until someone else asks you about them. And the generosity too, there was a hospitality in Mary's interview. I felt like I was at home. It felt like a conversation with a person, even though I was in a studio in Chicago and, and she was in a studio in Canada, it, it felt like we were sitting across from each other uh, with a cup of something warm. Former guest Casey Tigret, author of The Gift of Restlessness, A Spirituality for Unsettled Seasons. And I'm really noticing another recurring theme here. Uh, Tapestry was a show where people felt it was okay somehow to open up. I, I Yeah, I think so. And I, I think maybe that goes back to the other one of the prime directives. You know, how can we arrange it so that my real person is talking to your real person for both the guest and the listener? Um, and I'm and I'm listening. You know, I'm 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 with you. Um, no, so here's someone who's been on the show a couple of times over the past twenty years. You and Irshad Manji once joked on the air, I think, that you always made her cry. I often made her cry, but she often made me cry. So at this point, we're kind of even. Irshad Manji is pretty much the dream guest. I mean, so honest, really blunt. Um, and she speaks in these rapid fire, eloquent, just rivers of words. All kinds of people have learned that when you are willing to hear, you in turn are more likely to be heard. Everybody comes from a particular place, mm. mm-hmm. you know, and it, I, I would think to be to be blunt about it, tis better to understand our and I'm putting this in quotes here enemies so that we have a a healthier shot at touching them mm. in the way that we hope we will than to simply, you know, dismiss them altogether. It goes back to that that lesson that Bruce Lee taught his own students oh, yeah. um, about martial arts. Yeah. Uh, be like water, right? Water always gets to where it needs to go, uh, but not by labeling the obstacles in its way as oppressors and not by demanding that they disappear, but by acknowledging that they are part of the landscape now. How am I going to deal with that? Irshad Manji on Tapestry. Hi, my name is David Schindler, and Tapestry to me has meant a grounding, you know, a grounding not like, hey, go to your room, but a grounding where I can get in touch with myself by listening to other people getting in touch with their selves 
Mary, it's uh, Bruce Johnson from Winnipeg calling. Um, just want to thank you and the Tapestry team for sharing your time and talent during the last several decades. We have lots of fond memories while on the Tapestry journey. However, uh, as we all know, one of the messy parts of being human is that law of impermanence, so au revoir. For me, a particular episode that provided insight and wisdom was brevity as the soul of prayer. In particular, two listeners shared their experience. Um, one was simply, be still. The other was, if, if you know the only prayer you, you ever say for the rest of your life is thank you, that'll be more than enough. So thank you and, and be well. And uh, oh, P.S., by the way, I, I still have a uh, few dozen cassettes with uh, some of my favorite Tapestry episodes, so I'll be okay for a while. Tapestry now available on cassette. <laughs> I'm David Gutnick. I was a documentary producer on CBC Radio for oh, 30 years. And as a fellow documentary maker, that's what I just loved about Mary. The fact that she could take people deep into their lives and make their lives matter to me, the listener. It may sound a little strange to say this, but what Mary did was love her guests. She did. She loved that other person. And by loving that other person, she listened. And by listening deeply, we, the listener, I sitting on my couch, I started to love that person. I started to listen more deeply to that person. And I started to say, hey, I'm not Muslim, but... I understand where this person's coming from. Or, oh, so atheists can be spiritual. Let me listen to that. Let me listen to that. Another familiar voice. Thanks, Gutnick. A deeply missed voice on CBC Radio, David Gutnick in Montreal. Mary, there were certain episodes over the years of Tapestry that people just wanted to hear over and over again. That that does happen, and it's funny. They were always some of my favorite episodes, too. Um, so here's one. Uh, not the whole episode, just, just a <laughs> couple of seconds. Um, the poet and Rumi translator, Coleman Barks, was on the show, told us about a dream he had one night. And this is, we, we're, we're getting mystical again. Just going to warn you, Chris. Miracle detective. Coleman Barks saw a man's face in that dream, someone he didn't know yet. Um, May the 2nd, 1977, is my holy day. I had a dream that I was sleeping outdoors in the dream uh, uh, in, on the bluff above the Tennessee River where I grew up. I was out there on the bluff and sleeping. I woke up inside the dream. And uh, in this lucid state, I looked uh, across the Tennessee River and saw a ball of light rising off of Williams Island. It came over and clarified from the center out before me, and there was a man sitting inside there with a white shawl over his head and he raised his head and he said I love you and I said I love you too and um, at that moment the whole world of the curve of that river felt like it was soaked with dew and somehow I knew that that very natural state of the dew was love 
And so the whole world was wet with love. And, and I felt it, you know, I felt it the mo in my molecules, you know, I felt it, in, and that, that felt like a, um, I, I mean, and then a year and a half later I met him, you know, in the visible world here that we were in. And it was the same? It was the same man. It was yeah. the man from your dream? Yeah. Oh, who would know? I mean, uh, you can believe that or not. I, I was the, uh, there, and I have to believe it because it <laughs> happened to me. Poet and Rumi translator Coleman Barks on the dream which he believed showed him the face of the man who would become his teacher. And that's another one of my all-time favorite tapestry lines from a guest when Coleman Barks says, I don't care whether or not you believe me. I have to believe it. I was there. Oh, hello. Uh, my name's Louisa Mertzen, and I have been listening to Tapestry for many years. It is my all-time favorite program that the CBC hosts. The immeasurable impact is just too valuable to not replace. Even though you're unreplaceable, it has to be replaced, especially at the times we are living in which are so um, filled with human suffering and disconnectivity. I, I can't even imagine why the CBC would want to eliminate the one ray of light that brings us all together and inspires us all to be better. Hi, everybody. I live out in Victoria, and um, I have listened to Tapestry all of my adult life. My dad has listened to it as well. And he and I are extremely close, although um, we do not live in the same city. But I always know that on Sundays, he's listening to Tapestry, as am I. And it's been a bond of ours for decades. It was with a really heavy heart that I heard that Tapestry would not be continuing. Um, I certainly think that in this time... Um, that the world needs more shows that reflect the beauty and humanity and the faith that we can find to carry through. Tapestry and Mary, you will be greatly missed. Thank you all for your phone calls. Uh, now we're going to hear a piece of audio that has never <laughs> been on the air. Is that right? This is the bass player, Victor Wooten. I never do this because it's so cheesy. But the musician, Victor Wooten, was on the show, an amazing interview. We were talking about music and spirituality. And when we were done, I asked him, please, to say hi to my bass teacher. And I had not told him I play the bass myself because this guy is bass god. You know, he's, he's just, he's, he's it. And it would be kind of like having Picasso on your show and saying, well, I dabble a bit in watercolors too, now, don't you know? I said, please say hi to her. Her name's Joe. And Victor said, sure. Hey, Joe, this is Victor Wooten. I'm thanking you for, for teaching Mary and, and teaching her the love of music. And she just shared with me that you told her to hold her bass. Just hold it. That is so beautiful. That is so wonderful. And that tells me a whole lot about you as a person and as a teacher. Because not many teachers would be wise enough to have their students do that. So I thank you. I look forward to meeting you. And keep teaching them. Bass player extraordinaire, Victor Wooten, and we will have Mary's bass solo, uh, which she has described to me as a jazz odyssey. 
uh, coming up later in the program. And fired. <laughs> now, Rowena Sunga from a stationery store in Toronto. Rowena was a guest on Tapestry last season. I will also definitely remember my surprise and delight in seeing a really fun and playful side of her when she let me go through her uh, journal. Um, I don't know how many people have that opportunity, and it really gave me like a glimpse of, you know, her fun and playful side um, because she, you know, really tackles some serious topics sometimes. And seeing that side is also something I'll really, really remember about her. And I will miss her. I think everyone who listens to Tapestry will definitely uh, miss this gift that she has. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Rowena Sanga from the Toronto stationery store Paper Plus Cloth. Uh, Oops. Oops. We can take that again. You want to you back announce uh, Rowena? Let's sure. do the Rowena extra. Rowena Sanga from the Toronto stationery store Paper Plus Cloth. So uh, what's so funny about your journal? So it's my planner. It, it's not so much a diary kind of thing. I, I, maybe she thought it was hilarious because hers are beautiful and mine is a mess. Like it's, I just had no shame. Like it's just stuff stuck. Well, stuffed in it. My handwriting is not great, but I'm really exuberant with colors. So there are 19 different shades, and I have a little stamp, a little maple leaf stamp, and so I do it in a blue stamp pad, and I. The Toronto Maple Leaf games that are on 590, I write 590 beside the blue stamp. And the that is nerdy. The games that are on 1050, <laughs> I do a little what? blue stamp and I write 1050 because the rights are shared. Half the games are on AM 590, okay, half the games are on to, AM yeah. 1050. Let's of have course. that sting now, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> And good morning, Mary. Oh, my goodness. It's been a lovely pleasure. I'm visually impaired, and radio has been my best partner. And throughout the 20 years' journey with you, have made such a great impact in my being and becoming. Lots of love and uh, best wishes for your next endeavor. Tapestry, I will miss forever. Oh, Mary, this is Shauna calling from the Okanagan Similkameen in the Siak unceded territory. I just wanted to say how heartbroken I was to hear that you won't be part of our Sunday afternoons anymore um, because you have been a part of my Sunday afternoons for so many years and even before you were there, Tapestry has been such a beautiful thread weaving through my adult spiritual journey. It brought me to tears many times and brought me so much joy and learning. May you have an amazing adventure ahead. And thank you for all of the beautiful memories your program has brought. We will miss you so much. Uh, and it won't be the same. All the best on this next journey. 
Shauna, thank you. Um, I, I think I've listened to this phone message about five times in the last couple of weeks. I had to stop listening to the calls as they were coming in because more people were crying than not crying, and it was making me really <laughs> yeah. sad. Um, and Shauna, there was something about your voice that's just really been lifting me up, and that was the call I went back to when I thought I couldn't listen to calls anymore. So thank you, and thank to ev thanks, thanks to everyone for calling. So a little earlier in the show... We asked for some questions from the audience. And thanks, have, McKenna. Thanks, McKenna. We have three of those questions here. Number one. Oh, they're numbered. This is not in order of importance. I'm always curious why people do what they do. What led you to radio? Oh. You know, the whole do things happen for a reason? I don't know. You know, you'd think I'd have more of a clue after 20 years of hosting this show, but I don't know. And so I've always considered myself a newspaper person and a wire service person who just ended up in a series of really amazing jobs that I didn't feel I could say no to, even though way, way, way out of my comfort zone. So the radio thing came up and I said yes, and I'm really glad I did, but I'm not sure... I'm not sure it would have made a lot of sense looking at it from the outside because I'd worked in sports, I'd mm -hmm. worked in news, um, and I remember saying to my husband, Randy Starkman, this might be too religious for me, I, I don't know enough about that stuff, if it's kind of more about philosophy or spirituality. And he laughed out loud and he said, just look at your bookshelves. And it like everything that I was reading for pleasure, some of those authors ended up being on tapestry because I asked if we could book them, but oh, he was absolutely right. It was like, just look at your bookshelves. Hello, get a clue about what you might be interested in. So I just luck, absolute, <laughs> absolute luck and some prep is why I'm in radio, but not for long. <laughs> <laughs> Off to Chicago. <laughs> okay. Uh, in what interview do you remember laughing the most? Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. There's a clear winner okay. here. There is a pastor in the UK. His name is Richard Coles. And uh, he's become quite a famous performer on, uh, on the BBC. But before he became ordained, I mean, he, at a certain point, he wasn't even a believer. He was a rock star, a kind of, uh, like a literal an rock, star. rock star. Yeah, okay. I, there, there was a group called the Communards, and it was kind sure. of new wave. Yep. And we're, the interview was going along, and it was fine, and it was stable, and we were both behaving like grown-ups. And then he says, he gets to his parish, St. Mary Finden, in the UK, and there were all these lovely parishioners, but they'd gathered around because they heard he'd been in the communards, and he was pretty sure they thought he was in the Commodores, and they thought they were getting Lionel oh, Richie. No. <laughs> so he's laughing as he's telling the story, but I'm, I've lost it. Yeah. Like, I've just, it's, I, I, I'm laughing so much that I can't go on, and I, I just thank you to colleagues for all, like, the crazy edits that had right. to happen because <laughs> they thought they were getting Lionel Richie because Communards, Commodores, yeah. mm. I died. <laughs> Okay, number three, question number three. Ah, we were talking about this earlier. What is your favorite fountain pen and oh. ink? I, yeah. Is that from Rosie Fernandez? Rosie, you, know you ringer. Rosie. Is, that, is that a real question? It's a real question. 
Yeah. It's written, it appears to be written in common ballpoint. <laughs> Could also be from Aaron Noel, couldn't it? No, it's not from Aaron Noel. Uh, so my, oh, okay, so in terms of, we did a whole piece on this a little while ago. Hmm. The Holy Grail, does it count as a grail if you can in fact achieve it and attain it? And so we spoke to a grail expert. It was really cool. And fountain pens did come up in that conversation. So I think my grail in the sense of I don't think it's ever going to happen. It's a Pelican M600, the special edition pink with pink and white stripes. And every once in a while, it's on eBay for about $900. And, you know, even if I had $900... I don't, I've, I've spent less on cars, so I don't think I can really <laughs> spend that on a fountain pen. Of my collection, oh, could I, sorry, you want me to no, stop continue. now? Right? <laughs> Please continue. I think of my collection. Let me turn off the like, mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the same pen, also in a special edition, but it's the turquoise. Rosie and I will talk to you after the show. <laughs> I have to leave immediately after. I've got a thing. Hi, Mary Hines. I recently retired, so I can't begrudge you that option. But it still brought tears to my eyes, especially hearing that the show is ending as well. Change is the only count on, they say, but... I have to say, Tapestry was a very special hour for me. I knew it would be a gentle expansion of my mind and food for my soul. I sincerely hope they find a worthy replacement, although I can't imagine what it would be. All the best to you and your team. Hi, Mary. Your show has meant so much to me. I will certainly miss you. If you're ever driving through Williams Lake... I work at the Petro Canada. However, if you pop in there and let them know that Ruth said you get a free tea, coffee, hot chocolate, or slushy, it's waiting for you there. You've been a wonderful inspiration to me. I finished one of my first English for Journalism course at Penn State University recently. And um, it's all because of you, man. It's all because of you. So you were definitely not a dream. Because, man, what a wonderful world. I see trees of green, red roses too. I watch them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Now that is what I call a devoted listener. A standing offer for coffee. And a slushy. You better believe slushy. I'm taking you up on that lovely offer, Ruth. And thank you. By the way, Ruth gave us about three verses of It's a Wonderful World. <laughs> and no, and it, it is now, it's nudged the Joey Ramone version out of my top cover it's of all time. This is now my favorite. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're not just celebrating tapestry. This is a milestone for you too, Mary Hines. What are the big plans immediately after you retire? Um, So I I really am serious about getting better on the bass because I've kind of stalled. I've been at it for many, 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 many years. And you don't play, we were talking about this, you don't play jazz, you play I play a lot of Motown, funk, classic rock. Um, I want to get better at speaking Italian too. Mm. 
And um, a little bit of travel. Okay, so you, as the big shot from As It Happens. Small shot. You know, you're, so your field of knowledge is gargantuan, right? It's very wide and this deep. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's yeah. formidable. So did you know that Groton, Connecticut is the submarine capital of the world? I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so... I, I'm going to Groton. My my kid goes to school in Connecticut. Every time I visit her, that train stops in Groton. And every time I want to get off the train, okay. now I'm going to get off that train because not only is it the submarine capital of the world, there's a sub-library and a sub-museum, and you can visit the world's first so nuclear-powered sub and borrow a, a submarine you just you're, you're gonna make you some more fun card, of the things them. that are closest to my heart here really yeah you know please please that's, no that's good i it's perfectly understandable it's now vaulted to the number one spot in my post-retirement travel plans as well <laughs> anyway that, that does sound amazing you'll be getting a postcard from Groton, connecticut <laughs> from the submarine it. library i am counting on it and that is actually it for us, as we say, a fond farewell to a one-of-a-kind program. One-of-a-kind on the CBC and pretty much one-of-a-kind anywhere in the world. Thank you for being here to send Tapestry off in style. And thanks to you, Chris Howden. It's been great to have you here as part of Team Tapestry for this show finale. Yeah. And it's an honor. speaking of Team Tapestry, come on down, Armonic Bali. <laughs> McKenna Hadley Burke. Where's Theo Van Buzikon? Yeah, come on up. And it must be said, the producer of my dreams, where's Rosie Fernandez? Over the years, Tapestry has been created for you by some wonderful people at CBC Radio, and they include... Richard Handler, Linda Shorten, Susan Mahoney, Marika Mayer, Aaron Knoll, Aaron Pettit, and so many others. And a special shout-out to Michael Dick and Seema Patel for years of pep talks every time I needed one. And I needed a few, apparently, <laughs> along the way. And maybe the most important colleagues of all the technicians, because without them, nothing goes to air. Dave Field, Danielle Duval, and Laura Antonelli. This final episode of Tapestry was written and produced by Mary Hines, McKenna Hadley-Burke, Arman Akbali, Theo Van Buzikum. Senior producer, Rosie Fernandez. Technical production, Chris Jackson. Audio engineers, Andrew Roberts, Errol Gonzalez, Emily Chiarvesio, and Austin Pomeroy. Special thanks to Derek Stoffel, Bronwyn Page, Elizabeth Bowie, and the wonderful crew of Because News. I'm Chris Howden. And signing off for Tapestry, I'm Mary Hines. Thank you for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.